Anyway, all right, it's great to be back. I do miss the bay when we go away for a couple of weeks here. There's just something special about your own people that we have here together. But um, a word I want to release this morning is something I've been carrying for a while, actually. And I released this word in Zimbabwe when we were there at the end of March. And I actually spoke this word at Connections Point, Connections, sorry, two weeks ago. And now, so it's not an old word, okay, it's a matured word. Okay, so it's not like I didn't have anything to do this week and thought, I could just preach an old sermon. I think, I think this word is relevant for us, and it speaks right on the back of what Corin was saying here this morning about pushing through, about the time where we're at now as the people of God and what God is saying and asking of His people in this time and this season. Okay, and I've been carrying this, and as I was writing here this morning, the words, just hold your course. Hold your course came to me. We've been saying, hold the line, hold the line, hold your course. When you hold your course, you are, you know, in, in, in sailing kind of terms. You are either tacking or what you're doing, fighting the wind, whatever it's about. But you hold a course to make progress, just to keep going. It might be slow, it might feel you're never gaining ground, but you are taking ground. And that's what it's felt like for the ecclesia and the church over this last season. But we are taking ground because our God is for us. And if our God is for us, who can be against us. Okay, so open your hearts this morning, and I just want to set the tone for what we're going to talk in here this morning. And um, the tone of we sang about his name over and over again, and exactly the same thing happened at Connections two weeks ago about this opening kind of stance that I wanted to use. It was all about the name of Jesus. Now, I don't talk to Andy and say, what songs are you singing? Books so we can check, like, you know, songs about the name of Jesus. None of that. The, the name came forward again. We sing his name. His name is power. That's the power we carry in the name of Jesus. And I want to read from Ephesians 1 again, and this is just following on a little bit from the passage I read now with Kai and the family. It says, from verse 15, it says, For this reason, and this is Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us? Think about that. Immeasurable power towards you. You lack nothing. Hey, come on. Immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe. According to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And this is the key part. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Far above all rule, sorry, far above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I just want to highlight a few things here quickly and get into what I truly want to say here this morning. Paul's prayer, and I want to set the tone for what we're speaking of here this morning. When we worship, you see, we feel this clarity come to our hearts. Pray uh, this um, prayer of Paul highlights the power and the majesty of King Jesus. It sets him high above all things, all rule and authority, power and dominion. So what he's saying by there is he, Jesus exists as first, 
first, okay, above every ruler, above every authority, above every government, every realm of power that is in existence, he rules first. You can dabble and play with other things, but Jesus is first. Because his kingdom rules and reigns. Every name that is named. Think of the names. We name people. The people is a president. He's a prime minister. There's an attorney general. There's a commander-in-chief. There's a captain. There's an officer. There's a manager. There's a waiter. Every name that is named, he's above every one of those. Okay? Not only in this age, but in the one to come. So forever, that name will be above all names. Okay? He's placed all things under his feet. If you watch WWE, which I don't, and that guy's under your foot, you're in charge. And you've got your foot on his neck, he doesn't have a chance. He's got everything under his feet. Jesus is in charge, folks. So you do think, why are we worrying? Why are we stressing? What's all the fretting about? Jesus holds it. His name above every name, all things, okay? And here's the key. He gave him head over all things, meaning he is king. He's the head over everything. For who? For who? Think about it. Not for some little organization, okay? Not for some rotary club. Not for some charity group that are doing wonderful works. Not for some ministry, okay? For the church, you and me. The ecclesia, everything was put under his feet for us so that we can have access to all rule and reign and power and authority that is our King Jesus. That's why when you worship folks, you are shifting things. Don't worship mumbling. Worship with everything that comes from inside of you. You're releasing something that shifts things over your heart and life because I've told you a hundred times here before, the enemy hates you. He's against you. But the power of the Almighty God has defeated all of those things, and now we walk free. We walk alive for the things of good. The church is not a sweet little group of people that gather once a week because we've got nothing else to do. Okay? We don't come here because we're bored. We don't come here because we don't have a life. We come here because we found life. And this is the order that God's given us. So when the people of God gather, there's power. There's things that shift over your heart and your life. And as we declare things over Freikrant and over this community and over Cape Town, we believe God shifts things in the spiritual realms. If you don't believe that, you need the revelation of that. That's what takes place when we worship. We're not just singing a few songs so that I feel better. It's not about what you get out of this. It's about what we set in order as the ecclesia, which is a legislative body, a people that have been set apart, a people that have been called his very own. Why? To see the kingdom of God come on this earth in this time and in this age. You're either in or you're out. And God's asking of us, saying, are you, are you up for this in this time and this season? Called out ones, set apart ones. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What time is it? What time is it? Okay? What time is it? Not what's the time. What time is it? And I want to tell you this morning, it is God's appointed time. And I'm going to ask you that question through this sermon, and you're going to tell me that every time. What time is it? God's appointed time. Okay? And you will get better and louder through the service as we go. What time is it? It's important to understand, okay? So when we look at history, and we see all time, and God sits through all time, and He has seen everything, nothing has escaped Him at all. 
Nothing has escaped him, and he has seen centuries and centuries and centuries of time. So what I want to do is I went and looked of history events that took place in the month of May. Just the month of May. We're in May now, okay? Let's, let's look at some events in history that took place just in this month, okay? On the 1st of May, 1960, an American plane shot, uh, was shot down at 60,000 feet um, over a, a city in, in central Russia, 1960. Okay, it doesn't sound very different from the world today. I want you to see something. Ecclesiastes says, it says there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, now watch, watch these history events, okay, and just compute them according to what's happening today. 2011, okay, the Special Operations Force on the 2nd of May killed Osama bin Laden and took out the, 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 that, the terrorist. Okay, on, in 1494 on the 4th of May, during his second journey of exploration in the New World, Christopher Columbus discovered Jamaica, 1494 on the 4th of May. 1886, the Haymarket uh, Square riot occurred in Chicago. 180 police officers advanced, over 1,300 people, and uh, in the square listening to speeches of labor activists and anarchists. A bomb was thrown, several police were killed, and over 50 were wounded. That was in 1886. 1970, okay, Kent State University, there were a whole lot of people that were killed on National Guardsmen who opened fire on a crowd of 1,000 students in America on the 4th of May. We all remember that one. It's more closer in history. 1893, Wall Street crashed. Wow, we haven't heard that before. Okay? And stock prices fell dramatically by the end. 600 banks closed. And several big rail, railroads were in receivership. Another 1,500 businesses were bankrupt. Doesn't sound very different to our days. That was 1893, by the way. 1937, the big Hindenburg um, hydrogen kind of ship flame was set alight. Well, it, it blew up. 36 of the 97 passengers were killed. 1915, the British passenger ship Lusitania was torpedoed by a German submarine off the coast of Ireland, losing 1,198 of its 1,924 passengers. 1888, a riot erupted outside Astor Place Horror, uh, Opera, sorry, Horror, Opera House in New York as British actor William Charles McCready performed inside. Angry crowds, revolt, crowds revolted against dress requirements for admission and against McCready's public statements on the vulgarity of American life. The mob shattered the theater windows and troops were called out and killed and on uh, order to fire, killing 22 people and wounding 26. Doesn't sound different from a riot today. That was 1889, people. Okay? 1994, on the 10th of May, Nelson Mandela was inaugurated as the president of South Africa. That was a historic event in South Africa, right? 1981, John Paul Pope II was attempted to be assassinated, tried to kill him. The guy shot at close range. He was obviously squinted because he missed twice. Okay? That was on the 13th of May. 1792, two dozen merchants and brokers established the New York Stock Exchange. In 1792, in good weather, they operated under a butterwood tree on Wall Street. In bad weather, they moved inside to a coffee house to conduct business. That still happened today. Did we go and have coffee somewhere at a coffee shop one day to do business? Still happens today. That was 1792. 1998, there was a lawsuit against Microsoft on these guys for um, the competitions board. 320 AD, the Council of Nietzsche, the first uh, um, incremental council of Catholic Church was called by Constantine the first emperor of the Roman Empire. Sorry, the you know, Christian emperor, I would never, well, they say Christian, 
with nearly 300 bishops in attendance. 1932, Emily Eckhart became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. Five years later, on another navigation, she wasn't found, and they never found her body again. 1844, the telegraph inventor Samuel Morse, which I think obviously invented the Morse code, um, sent the first official telegram. What hath God wrought? Was the first telegram ever sent. Which always amazes me how they bring God into the picture. You know, because there was an honor to Almighty. That was in 1844. 1453, the city of Constantinople was captured by Turks and was renamed Istanbul. Big fight. And here's relevant to what we've seen happen in KZN. In 1889, over 2,300 people were killed in the Johnston Flood in Pennsylvania. Heavy rains throughout May caused the river to, 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 to burst its banks and a wall of 75 feet high water poured across the city. 2,300 people died. So folks, listen. Does it sound different to the times we live in now? These things will keep playing out over time. With the time you are living and you are alive, it is not worse than it was before. Okay? It's, it's just what happens on this fallen earth. Things like this play out, okay? But we must understand we are living in a time of God's appointed time. What we have faced over the last two years and the trauma that we've seen play out, what we can do now is sympathize a little bit more with people when we read historic events and understand what they were going through. You will never understand what it was like to live in World War II. You will never understand what it was like to be a Jew through that series and part of time. Think about it. They killed 6 million Jews. There are about 6 million people that live in Cape Town. If every one of us died, what would you do with all our bodies? Think about it, all the shoes, all the clothes. What do you do with it? That most horrific time in humanity, we cannot truly sympathize. We can sympathize. We don't fully understand what it was to live in through those times. And what we're living through right now We've got to be awake to understand and to see what's playing out. History will ple- keep playing out over and over and over time. Historical events will keep happening. You've got to think about what it must be like to live in America from 1962 to 1967. You had four key assassinations. You had John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 62 or 63. Okay, then you had Malcolm X was taken out. Then you had um, uh, Martin Luther. And then you had Kennedy's brother. What is his name? Um, Robert Kennedy, also assassinated. He was lining up to be the next president. Just think with the turmoil of the country at that time, what's going on? What's happening? In the moment, you can't see beyond. Think of South Africa in the 80s, the chaos that was ensuing in our country. I was a kid. I didn't fully understand what was going on. But we were on the brink of civil war. History was playing out over this time. But God stepped in. Peace ensued. History now paints us the picture that we've got to learn from history and repeat it. Don't do it over and over again. But you see what history does. Things that happen. The things play out in time. And things that happen around this world, some affect us more than others. Some history events are like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. You know, that's whatever. It's, it's, it's knowledge. It's information. But there are moments, there are times in the earth where things shift. And God uses that time to show his power and his might and his strength. And in the midst of it, we don't fully understand. We don't fully get what God is doing. We can't see Him sometimes in the midst of all of this. I can see your brains are ticking over. You're thinking a lot here. Okay? Because a lot has happened in the last two and a half years. A lot has taken, and we're still busy processing what's happened. 
We are seeing things play out with governments and seeing things happen around us with agendas that are happening around. We don't have the full picture. We don't have all the answers right now. But what we do know is this is God's appointed time. And God is using this to do and work through His time with children. And the reality is we know, I've said it here before, is we are living in an historic event. We have lived through an historic event that my children's children will speak about the time the world stopped. This is going to be marked in history. Years and years yet forward. Like we read all those historic events, this time will be an historic event. Okay, so what time is it? Are you awake? What time is it? Okay, so let's bring it back here. This is not a history lesson this morning. This is actually church. Okay? Here's the beautiful thing. is God lives outside of time. He is not bound by our clocks. He's not upset when we start the meeting at 20 to 10 and we don't start at half past nine. But we know that if you don't run according to the clock and you arrive at the airport, the time your flight's taking off, you don't fly. You've got to run according to the clock to get there on time. We've seen many people running and chasing the train out of the station. Oh, yeah, no, I think he's just chasing it out. He's not actually catching it. Okay? We, there's the clock. The clock runs our world. Up in the morning, kids, we need to leave here at 10 past quarter past seven because we're going to get the route here, getting done. The clock manages and runs our lives for us. But the beautiful thing is God works on a timeline. He doesn't work according to the clock. He works on timelines, moments in time that he works through. Okay, when you look at the people of Israel, Leviticus 23, 1 says, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Okay, so what is happening there? God's saying, these are my feasts, okay? God lives outside of time, and He lives on timelines, but when you just look as an example, those seven feasts every year that are set in order, if it says about Passover, the passage a little later I read, it says, on the 14th day of the first month, God helped us, according to His timeline, to put something in our chronological time that we will know when to celebrate Passover. Okay? So He helps us by putting it on a chronological time. Okay? And the beautiful thing with these feasts is Jesus is the fulfillment of these feasts and His return will be the fulfillment of all the final feasts that will play out for us, okay? So God works in appointed times, not according to your watch, which means a lot of us are all asking, God, move. God, it's been two weeks now since you've answered my prayer. And He's probably saying, I've already answered your prayer, okay? You just need to be faithful and wait it out. In my appointed time, I will release it for you. Because then it plays into trust. It's not when, I want it now, give it to me. God, don't work like that at all. He wants us to learn to trust Him. It's not according to our clocks that we ask of God and honey does it now. 1 Chronicles 12, 34 says, Of Issachar, men, they were the men who understood the times. Okay? To know what Israel ought to do. 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under command. Okay? When we ask the time, we are asking the time in reference and according to the progress of the day. What time is it? Okay, and then we know. Oh, flip, I'm just going to pick up the kids. Because Aiden's standing outside the gate. It's going to be like, Dad, you're late. Okay? We work according to that. That gives us structure. So God put the feasts within our structure 
so that we know how to celebrate them and how to honor according to what he's asked his people to do. Okay, but when it says in, 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 um, in Acts 1, 6 to 8, this is Jesus now speaking to them. It says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, okay, that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be our witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Those words, they're times and seasons. The word times is chronos, chronos, which is chronological time. Tick, tock, tick, tock, okay? Not the tick tock where you watch videos on. The actual clock that turns over and turns over and I've got 20 minutes left before Neil starts budging in his seat and thinks it's time's up. See, we all wound and run by the clock, okay? We are bound by this thing and we look and it's half past, something shifts in our minds, okay, time's up now, but wrap it up, wrap it up. God don't work on the clock. If he wants to do something here at 20 to 12, he'll do it. Whether you're prepared to sit around and wait for him to do it and work with what God is doing on his timeline. That word seasons there is kairos time. If you take that word kairos and see the number of passages of the Bible that speak about when Jesus said to his brothers, and they said, well, you're going to come to Jerusalem as well? No, but they said, it's not my appointed time. It wasn't his kairos time. Meaning, sorry guys, I don't have time, I'm not coming down. Okay, it wasn't his appointed time. There are many times it says in passage about this was God's appointed time. This was God's time. It's speaking about Kairos. I remember Jean-Marc and Martin, Jean-Marc Fritz, a French guy that went to Madagascar. Many of us prayed for them for many years. He preached the sermon probably 20 years ago in the Bay on Kairos and chronological time. It was a beautiful, beautiful message that stuck with us, okay? So you need to understand that the ecclesia, the time we're living in now, is a kairos time. It's an appointed time that God is working and moving on His timeline. Okay, what's taken place in the last two and a half years, heaven wasn't caught of God and going, oh no, this COVID thing, what are we going to do? I said to someone the other day, well, the good news is, you know, there's no COVID in heaven, eh? Sucks. That thing doesn't have a hold on all because He's King Jesus. But this whole thing rattled our worlds and our lives and threw it all in chaos. And we found our course and we found our line. Hold your line. Hold your course. Okay, and what God is saying. God's timeline is also not the enemy's timeline. God doesn't react to the enemy. Okay, he's, he's not like, oh goodness, Satan's done that. I better do this. He's always ahead. And Satan's always reacting because he knows something's coming. He doesn't know when, he doesn't know how, he doesn't know what it's going to look like, but he knows something's coming. So what does he do? Of course, chaos. He causes times and places and seasons where the people of God start worrying, what are we going to do? Imagine being a believer in Germany or wherever you were in 1940. Your cry would have been, God, where are you? Imagine being a Jewish person in that time. The fear you lived under. Your cry would have been, God, where are you? Okay, we don't fully understand in the midst, but that time, God was an appointed time for him to work and to show himself strong through the nations of the world and how all they work out. The enemy will always try and speed up this process for us to get into panic, to get into worrying, us doing things that we weren't supposed to do, and you kind of start acting and adding and trying to just fix it up to make it the way it is. Relax. We don't run according to what the enemy shouts at us and all the loudness that comes from this world, all these blah, blah voices. We hear one voice. It gives us clarity and truth and peace. And we silence everything else around us and say we listen to the one voice. 
what's he saying to us at this time? He's saying to the church, hold your line. Stand strong. It's time to push. We've held firm. It's time now to push. Just be faithful in what God's saying. Don't complicate things. And also, folks, don't listen to 100 people that think they're prophetic, please. Because unfortunately, you can access anybody on YouTube and you'll go there like, I want a prophetic word. He gives you something. I listened to a guy speak the other day and he's giving a warning to Ramaphosa. He blabbled for 10 minutes and said nothing. All he said was a warning to you, Ramaphosa. Why don't you go on certain date? This is going to take place. If you don't, God has told me, if you don't do this on that certain date, this will take place. Put your gift to the test. That's what a prophetic does. Read through Jeremiah. Read through Isaiah. All these guys speaking to the nation of Israel. Guys, God's saying this. Kill him. Put him aside. But God's saying this. They were, they were regarded as prophets that missed it in their day. Because they didn't see the fulfillment of that. But in time, look, they were all right. All the time because they obeyed the voice of God. Close down the number of voices you listen to. Find those of truth. Find those you know with credibility. Those you can trust that will speak life to your hearts and to your life. The power is, folks, is God is never late. He's also never early. He's always just on time. Okay? Because He works according to appointed times. Okay? And what we've had and experienced over this last season is the traditions of men have been tested. And the way we've done things have been tested. We need to do things according in the way God is wanting to do. And He's preparing us to carry the weight of what this next move of God is going to pour out upon the nations of the world. So what time is it, folks? God's appointed time. So what's happened is we've been forced into a corner to learn to trust Him, to learn to obey Him, to learn not to trust and rely on other things, but to hear the voice of God and to know the clarity of that that speaks to us and understand that Jesus said, I will build my church. Stop trying to build your own empires and your own ministries and all these things that are required and trying to do good works for the Lord. He said He will build the church. Follow according to what He's doing and what He's building. We will find life and clarity. We will find the power of the Almighty God leading us. So what has God been saying to us as a community? Prayer is a priority. Get prayer in place. Set your houses in order. Let there not be sin in the camp. You see, when Achan stole those, those, the, 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 the gold and the, the stuff and he hid it under his tent, it wasn't a moral failure. He was selfish and stole. He did what he wanted. God's pushing us into a corner. It's not about what you're going to get out of this. This, honestly, is not about my ministry. It's about you and us as the ecclesia arising together with power to take ground in the heavenlies over our city. You don't get to do that if you're selfish and you're pushing your own agendas. There's a rising in Cape Town now, and I'm starting to connect with the right people who are starting to rebuild something of prayer across our city. It's starting to rebuild again. I had to lay that stuff down for years. It was tough to understand, but God's now building it up together with the right people. You don't want to build something to have one big event. It's consistency that the ecclesia are actually praying and declaring God's goodness over our city. That's what's starting to rise. The nameless and faceless are starting to gather together. Amen. And we're going on that journey. It's coming. The God is doing it. He's telling us, He's showing us, don't live from this place of the emotional place of your soul. Learn to live from the place of your spirit. Okay? It's the spirit of God is inside of you that empowers you and equips you from all things to be able to walk through this life, to walk through the challenges, okay? and truly knowing that we're sons of the living God. Okay? The light is shining. This is what God is saying and speaking. The light is shining on every darkness now. See, in the world, all the stuff's being exposed over and over again, and in the church. Don't be surprised at what's playing out, because it's got to be exposed. 
God is bringing these things to light. The narrative of the world is being exposed over and over again. And we are learning more and more not to follow those voices that speak so loud into our worlds. Because we're not buying it in that narrative anymore. And I want to just finish off with these two scenarios and explain to us when we ask that question, what time is it? God's appointed time. In Joshua 5, when uh, the people have to cross over, over the Jordan River. And I want to use these two scenarios as we finish up here. It says, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover, here we go, God's appointed times, on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. There was a, there was a God's appointed time in our calendar that he worked it out. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land. Unleavened cakes and parched grain. Doesn't sound very exciting, but it must have been better than the manna that had ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Now there was a shift. There was a change that took place in the people of Israel. Radical change from receiving provisions from heaven every day for food, okay, they now started having to produce on the land with their own hands for food. There was a change that took place. From being provided for, they now needed to provide for themselves because God was taking them on another journey. He'd been on them with a journey for, so let's just break this down a little bit, that although God will always be their provider, what he was asking of them in this time is now personal responsibility. <coughs> that if they weren't going to till the soil, they weren't going to plant the seeds, they were going to starve. Because he had taken them through an appointed time. This was now a new appointed time for the people of Israel to take territory and take ground. That's what you're saying, Corinth. We're taking ground. We're pushing forward now. And God was asking more of them, which required personal responsibility. They had to shift their thinking from survival mode, just getting through, to actually now we thrive and see the land produce. Okay, We've been stuck in survival mode here for the last while. And there's many of us that are breaking out of it and going, stop these masks. I'm not doing it anymore. Relax. Calm down. Those things aren't going to bring about the change. The change is here. The season's changing. The winds of change are blowing. And we've just survived. We've just, we just come through this crazy time on earth. And God's leading His people into a thriving time. That's why we're calling out, saying your financial breakthrough, those healings that you require, you're asking of God, the provision that you're believing in for harvest is here, folks. What I speak ages ago, last year sometime, that seed, time, and harvest, what you sow seed to, Okay, And it speaks in Matthew 12 about the angels are reapers. They come and reap at harvest time. This, folks, is harvest time. Amen. And the angels come and reap according to what you've sown in your life. And that's where the personal responsibility lies. If you've sown bad seed, you will reap a bad harvest. But if you've sown faithfully, You've believed and you've trusted the Almighty God. Now, this, you can feel fear kicks in the room there now. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Okay, everything's been paid for by Jesus. If you come before Him with acknowledgement of understanding your flesh and your weakness, it's a clean slate every day for you. And you get an opportunity to sow good seed. 
And I think the power of how heaven works is that if it's harvest time, you don't have to like, well, I didn't sow that three years ago. I'm not going to produce. I'm not going to harvest now when it's harvest time. You'll probably, if you sowed those good seeds three weeks ago, you'll probably bear fruit in the harvest. That's how heaven works. It's a timeline, not a time frame chronologically. Okay? Their, minds, their, their, their mindset had to shift to faith and obedience. It took courage. Think about it. They hadn't farmed the land for 40 years. They hadn't farmed for 40 years. So there was a generation who didn't know how to farm. So they had to embrace all the generations so the young could till the soil and work the ground. And the, the, the experience could show them what to do. They had to work together. That's why family is so important. Every generation has a say here on how we go forward and how we see what God is doing in this time, in this appointed time and era. Okay, God is showing us that we've got what we've got in our hands in the change of era that's taking place. And by faith, we need to cultivate the soil. By faith, we need to press forward and take this new ground. Because He's given us gifts. He's given us everything we needed in our hands. And Israel needed to respond or they would starve. God's asking us to respond in this time, in this hour. I don't want to starve when it comes to what God is going to pour out upon the nations of the world. I want to be on the forefront of what God is saying and doing. We've sowed these seeds, folks, time and time and time again. It's time for us in this era now to cross over the Jordan and to walk into what God is saying to us. What lay ahead of them, there were many battles. It wasn't now, oh, we've crossed over, we've cultivated the land like freedom, woohoo. No, they had to take Jericho. That was another whole journey on its own. They needed to believe God every step of the way. That's what's taking place for us. We need to, we will trust and we believe God. He will not take us back to where we've come. He's given us everything we need. The keys He's given us to produce in this season. And the keys that He's shown us, I tell you, is that, is that I've been saying here, is the revolution of righteousness and justice. You stand righteously for things in your business. You stand righteousness in your family. You stand righteously how you deal with your children, how you deal with your peers, how you deal with your friends, how you deal with colleagues. Righteousness prevails in your life, and you do justice to one another. Watch the blessing of God flow. It's really simple when you think about it. Just live righteously. Not according to your own strength, the gift that God's given you to be able to work that out. So that's the first thing of manna, the crossing over. The change came. And the people of God needed to respond to the change. They needed to till the soil. They needed to work the ground so they produced, so they could survive as a nation. There was well over a million people. Imagine farming for a million people. It's not just easy. Those things they read the Bible and oh, I just kind of throw a few seeds. And no, they had to produce a lot to sustain the people. The second story I want to relay here is in Genesis 19 where Lot and, uh, and Sarah, it says Lot and Sarah in this time, in Genesis 19. Now, this is the story where Abraham pleads with God about if there's 50 righteous people, will you save the city? If there's 40 righteous people. And he keeps going down to 10 righteous people. When you read the account of that story, there's a few moments there, as I want to build up here. So let me just get there, Genesis 19. Um, let's stick out. And it's, it, it, calls, it says there, 19, God rescues Lot. Okay? But what happens in the lead up to that is that God confirms the covenant with Abraham. Okay? And he says to him in uh, these words, he says in verse eight, chapter 18, verse 19, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. 
That interaction that Abraham had with the Lord, is, it was like a court case, bringing it before the Almighty God, saying, well, I, I am contending for those people. I'm fighting for those people. God, would you, would you as judge, if there's only 10 people in the city, would you save that city? Okay, but here's, here's a few things that take place there. Now, as Lot's, Abraham speaking, and the, and the two men of God go to Sodom and Gomorrah, where God wants to pour out and destroy those five cities in that area. Lot's response is also always very interesting. These two men, and then all the men of the city come out, and they ask for those two guys because they want to do terrible things to them. Okay? It's, it's quite disgusting, the stuff they want to do. Well, if they're not going to send them out, send your daughters to us so that we can do what we need to do with your daughters. The, the debauchery that was playing out in this place here. Again, folks, it's not very different to what we see in our world right now. Okay? It's just hidden in corners where you don't know it's happening. There are things playing out in, in Fishuk and places. and you would, you would be horrified if we, if we actually knew. On your doorstep. But like I've said to people as well, Netflix is giving us a good indication of how terrible the world is. The evil people that exist. The things they do. The things they get away with. And the things of like, it's the guy next door. Good grief. I never thought that would be him. God's not surprised. This is, it's evil. It plays out. There's an enemy. Okay? But the thing here with, 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 with um, um, Sodom and Gomorrah is a few things there. Like Lottie goes to his son-in-laws to kind of call them, and it says there he's jesting to them, basically mocking them, saying, come, I mean, you guys must come too. But then the angels say, come, get your wife out. We need to go now. But it says, but he lingered. Lot lingered. Just like, man, really? Come and he's like, do we have to go? Do we have to move, Really? And then he says, as they were needing to go, he says, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, that you've shown me great kindness in saving in my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtakes me and die. And the city he escaped to was Zor. That was one of the five cities that God wanted to destroy. And God in his mercy said, Okay, you can escape to Zor. And you won't run to the hills. He still had his own agenda, fighting hard there. You see how this... This, this longing to be there. Oh, really? Do we, have, do we have to go? Do we have to move on? Okay. And I want to read that section. We all know this passage. In the sun, in chapter 19, 23, it says, The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. So he escaped now. Then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities what grew out of the ground. But Lot's wife, Behind him, looked back, and she, she became a pillar of salt. The very next verse says, And Abraham went down early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward the land of the valley, and he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace, so that it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out in the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. And when you see the powerful exchange that God had with Abraham was based upon his covenant with him. We have legal admission to speak to our judge, the Father, to be able to contend for things. This verse actually speaks about, it says, Abraham interceded for Lot. Oh, when we contend for our cities, we're going before Almighty Judge and say, God, save this city, the things that are playing out across the city of Cape Town. Okay? And as I said to you, the power of covenant gave him access to intercede for the Lord. But here's the thing. Lot's wife, 
when she stood and she, they were walking away, they were told not to look back. But she looked back and turned into a pearl of salt. And this is Jesus' words in Luke 17, verses 32 and 33. He says this. He's saying this. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. And the interesting thing with that, that passage there is, Lot's wife, we don't even know her name, nameless. She looked back, turned to a pillar of salt. When Abraham came out the next morning, he's looking back. He's looking back with a very different eye because it's victory of seeing what God has done. And in, in his mercy, he saved his son, in his son Lot. The key here, folks, is how are you looking back to these last two and a half years? How are you looking back in your life? Are you lingering like Lot? Ah, but, yeah, it was, it was lack of that, man. It was, mm. and you, you know God's saying, push in now, but you stand with a half-hearted to go there. What did Jesus say? If you seek to preserve your life, you're going to lose it. Everything of the kingdom is sacrificial. It costs you. The world constantly throws the lure at you. How much do you want the things of God? Look what I can give you. But look, look what this could be. No, man, don't pursue that. Check this. Subtle. Subtle. And how we look back and how we long for stuff in our lives will determine how the seed of the harvest that plays out in your life. It's a very simple process. You see, this last season that we've always, we've longed in our hearts, just can we just get things back to normal the way they were? Things are never going to be the same, folks. The world has changed. Don't try and go back to the way things were in the 80s and the 90s. It was just far better. You've got to move on. You've got to move on. We've got to cross the Jordan. Okay? We've got to shift out of the survival mode. We've got to snap out of it. It's not survival mode anymore. We're walking into thriving. We walk into what God's saying over His people of God. We've been paralyzed by fear. We've been caught up in conspiracy. And we've seen the defeat and the loss of our own lives just cause this like, oh, we're just hanging in there, hanging in there. No, no, we're shifting. We're crossing the Jordan to what God is saying to us as His people now, and we're pressing in for more. It's a new time. What time is it, folks? It's God's appointed time. Are you on the cutting edge of what God is saying to His people at this time? See, in the natural, we're going to look back with questions. But in the spiritual, we look back and we see the hand of God that's moved across the nations. We have crossed. We have crossed into a new era. The time is now. The last years that we've been walking through have been a transition period. Things in the life of this community, you will see, will transition and change according to what God is calling us to be. A people prepared, a people ready, on the forefront, on the cusp of what He's saying. So when He pours out things to us, like we experienced this morning, we're ready to receive. We're not coming here, but looking back thinking, you know, half-hearted, the stepping to, you won't receive the fullness if you've got that in your heart and your life. Okay. So what God has told these Ecclesia in this time, it's to be awake. And Kathleen's going to speak a little bit more into that next week about being awake. 
that we truly see what God is saying and doing in this time. We see what's happening in the spiritual realm. We discern the schemes of the enemy and by the spirit what's playing out, what's distracting, what's wasting our time. And there's a lot more happening in the spiritual realm as we understand what God is saying because folks, we are living in an appointed time of God. This is God's time. You see, so when history marks and makes its mark on time, like we've lived through now in this season. When man places himself equal to God in trying to control nations and wealth and power, and when the dark just seems to be getting darker, when it seems that all hope is slipping away, there is always a people. There's always a people. Those who are washed and redeemed by the blood of the Almighty God, those whose hands are clean and with pure hearts, those who don't give their souls to what is false, those who have no deceit in them, and those whose hope is beyond the time of circumstance and trial, but true hope in a ruler of a kingdom that will never be shaken. The called out ones, the set apart ones, us, the ecclesia, the church of the living God, that's you and me, folks. There's always a people that God is looking to. No matter what the season, no matter what history dictates to us, there are a people that have been set apart to be the chosen and called out ones that the world will look to us for answers and solutions. And how do you guys survive in the midst of all this chaos? Come on. What time is it, folks? God's appointed time. The season has changed. And God is asking us to now produce and till the land so that we produce fresh fruit. Fresh fruit in the season, what God is asking for us. Okay? The season has changed. And I want to do a bit of ministry here this morning because we all walk our own journeys in life and what God has done and played out over these last years. If I'm honest with you, these last two and a half years, I have never... I've never experienced such depth of self-doubt in these last two years. The questions, the deep questions of things, of like, really? And I know we've all gone through this. It's taken us to deeper places in the last two years. Okay, and what that, the enemy is trying to do there, he's trying to steal your hope. He's trying to steal that little glimmer of faith that you know God is good. And you know that he's faithful. You know that he said these things. And the promises are always true. But the, the voice and the narrative of things speaking to you just, and he wants to tear you down slowly, but to wear you down. Wear you down. Wear you down. Until, and I've even had questions like this in my heart in the last two and a half years. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe, maybe I'm not up for this. I know. I've lived my whole life serving the church. I've been in this church community for 28, nearly 29 years. And there were questions of, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think I got it. I'm not up for this. How, do I, how did I get there? Circumstances, the times we're living in, and then the enemy jumps on the back. Because what we've lived through is the greatest test the ecclesia has ever faced. And when there's testing, what happens? The enemy's right there on the back to bring temptation. So Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days to be tested. Who was there to tempt him? The enemy. We have walked through the greatest test the church has ever faced. And the temptations will come, give up. You, you don't have what it takes, pal. Leave it. Go back into the corporate world. Just get a job and settle down. Stop trying to achieve stuff on this earth. Keep quiet. 
the lies, the tempts, will come our way. I know if I've experienced it, so have you. And what does it steal from you? Faith, hope, and love, and joy. The fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. This stuff's real. We're not, we're not playing games anymore yet. God's asking of us, standing in this time, and this hour, with faith, hope, and love, to truly believe. And I want to I I do a declaration this morning as we finish off about a declaration into a new season, what God is saying. But I first, I first want to just pray for people. Trace, if we could just play. But I, wanna, I want people to stand. If you, if you felt that, that deep, and I, I was very aware a couple of weeks ago, Errol asked how many people have had a tough week, and about half of you stood up. I get the times we live in here. We want to be the last people that want to push you to, ah, we've got to follow the things of the Spirit. He's leading us this way. It's got to take faith and courage to step forward. And if, honestly, if you felt in this last season, I know we get worship and we celebrate and we praise God and we do all those right things, it's important that we do that. But if you felt over the last two years that this web of destruction and these, these things around you have tried to take you out and to nullify you and you felt totally hopeless, I want, you to, I want you to stand. Because you, you need us. You need us around you to speak life over you. You need to be honest with yourself this morning. If it's been hopeless, and I, that's why I'm honest with you, I have felt hopeless. Times in my life going, and for me to ask the question, I don't think I'm up for this. I know you've experienced the same thing. But I want to speak over your hearts today, folks. I want, to look, I want you to know the power of the Almighty God. That God in His grace provided for us in these last two years, two and a half years. But the season has shifted now. The manner that has been poured out to carry and help us, He's asking of us to step up. He's asking of us to say, people of God, are you ready to do this? Don't try and plan and what it's going to look like. Just be faithful to what He's called you to do. Read the Word of God. Let it massage your soul. Speak to Him like a father and a brother that just is for you in every single way. Don't try and take on the world just stand firm in what you're believing for. And let's just lift our hands to Him this morning. And those that are seated, I want you to reach out to the people around you. We all do this as a family. We do this as community. Because today is there's a shift. Karen's word, it confirmed everything. He's asking of us now to push in. And the first thing you need to do, you always come before Him and confess. And I want you in your own hearts now to confess where you have lost hope. Confess where you've lost sight of the promises of what God has spoken over your life. Just in your own heart, say, Father, I just, I confess to you where I've just fallen into the trap of believing these lies, believing the narrative of the world, believing things that have been spoken over me by people, things that have been said, and I've taken them on board as truth. And you now repent of believing the lie and falling into the temptation of what the enemy has tried to wear you down and pull you down. And now we replace that lie with the truth. And I say over you, people of God, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Each one of you have been called sons and daughters of the Most High God. Even in the midst of trial and pain and circumstance, my love for you has never, ever failed. I want you to know that you are called. I want you to know that I have a purpose 
for your life. I don't want you to measure things according to the worldly measure. The earthly measure are not the heavenly measure. I look for faithfulness. I look to hearts that are pure. I look to hearts that are set before me and set towards me. I don't, I, I don't, if you didn't, if you didn't do another thing for me, I wouldn't love you less. All I want you to do is to believe. All I want you to do is believe in the one that was sent. My son, Jesus, is for you in every way. And so, Father, as we speak these words of life over every heart here this morning, we declare into the Spirit, it's a new season. It's a new kairos time. It's an appointed time for the Almighty God. And I speak to your hearts this morning. Cross over, people. Cross over. You are not in survival mode anymore. You are walking into thriving. You are thriving for the things of the kingdom. And I, and I ask of you, even in the spirit, even naturally, take a step forward. Take a step forward and you cross over. You cross over. Lord, we make this decision in the spirit to walk with you. And we let go of the past. We don't look back with longing hearts or hearts lingering of surviving of what took place. We look forward to what you've got in store for your church what you've got in store for this community. And we thank you, Lord, that no matter what we walk through, you are with us. You promised you will never, ever leave us. And I almost apologize for the church gospel that has said to you that all your problems will disappear when you come to the Lord. It doesn't work like that. He gives you the grace to walk through it. He gives you the authority and the power to stand up to it. The things that are coming up against you will not crush you. They will not tear you down because you are a child of the living God. You have been chosen. You've been appointed as His very, very own. He is for you in every way. And I release faith into your hearts this morning. I release hope into your hearts this morning. The Almighty God is with us. He's for us as we sing and we declare the power of our majesty. What time is it, folks? And because it's His appointed time, He's using you and me to work through. Let's all stand together and we're going to do that declaration. If you, Maybe someone helped us with the declaration at the back. There we go. We got it. Thank you, Pat. We're going to declare this over our hearts and our lives because the season has shifted. Isaiah 43, 18, 19 says, Remember not the former things. Okay, the enemy is always going to remind you about how bad and how terrible you were. Look now, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. This is what Isaiah prophesied nearly 3,000 years ago. And Israel didn't see it. He's saying these words to us today. Are we seeing it? I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Have you crossed over, people? We've crossed over into what God is saying. Let's say this together. Today we decree you are divinely transferred into a new and glorious season from the Lord. We've got to say it with a little bit more gusto. Okay? It's got to come from this depth of faith. It's not words you just repeating here. We've, we're teaching you what declaration means. Okay? When you are saying things, let me ask you a question. If I say to you, okay, uh, a, a horse, what do you see? You don't see the word, right? Your words produce something. So if I say to you, brown horse, you see a brown horse. You don't see the words brown horse. 
But if I say a galloping brown horse, you're all seeing a video running through your minds of a horse running through a field. Your words produce something. And every word you say is accounted for in heaven. If you're mumbling under your breath going, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, that's being written down in heaven. Okay, they don't believe. Do you believe? Yes. Come on. Now we've got to say it with a bit of gusto. Today we decree you are divinely transferred into a new and glorious season from the Lord. We command all cycles of trouble, hindrance, warfare, and disappointment to cease in Jesus' name. We say a new prophetic declaration is being written over you that places you in a season of peace, prosperity, blessing, and restfulness. We bind the works of darkness from filling your mind with fear and resentment. We break the power of all lethargy and apprehension that arose from the circumstances surrounding the former season And we say you are infused with new seeds of fresh fire, vision, excitement, and faith for what is ahead. We say you are advancing into greater days and that your joy shall be made full. It's your time to shine because a new and brighter season is upon you. Amen! 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 Come on! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise you, Lord! It's a new day! It's a new day! Come on! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Amen! 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 Come on, folks. What time is it? And God doesn't work on His own. He works through a people. And He's asking of you and I. So when you go to work tomorrow morning, when you go to school, when you go to college, you walk in there with your head held high, that environment is not dictating to you any longer. You come with light and a new sense of infused hope and peace and life and you set the tone. You live righteously and you operate with justice in your people and your world around you. Watch what God will do as you sow those seeds into people's lives. Go forth in power. Go forth with life and be the light wherever you go. Amen, 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 amen.